Welcome back to the Woman of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. Hi, it's Judy. Hey, it's Sana. Guys, we're really excited because today we have a sort of special podcast featuring Evangeline Lilly from Marvel Studios' Ant-Man and the Wasp. Actually just saw the movie last night. It is so good. It's so funny. Evangeline as the Wasp is epic. She just kicks butt. I laughed out loud like I think like 40% of the movie. It was so good. I was going to challenge you not to say epic just now. Epic, (laughs) epic, epic, epic. epic. I am excited about the fact that Evangeline spoke to us on the phone. We'll speak to you. So basically what happens, we were traveling. I was traveling last week and we got a last minute opportunity to do a phone call with her during her press tour. And so we worked it out so that I sat in my hotel room in Portland, Oregon, while Brandon in the New York City office helped facilitate the call. And Evangeline was in Miami. So three different states, but we made it work. Technology. 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 It was actually amazing to talk to her. She really just got the point of what the Woman of Marvel means and was totally willing to jump up and just talk to us and give us a a good amount of time. So it sort of warmed my heart. And uh, hopefully in the future, we have more time to talk to her and have her by. Yeah, and I think the Wasp is really the breakout character of that movie. So it's great. We got to chat with her, and hopefully you guys will also enjoy this awesome conversation that Judy had, and I'm not jealous at all. Hello? Hello. Hi. Good morning. How are you? How are you? I'm great. I've been at Marvel for 12 years now, so I remember when, you know, Marvel Studios first launched the films, and now we're 10 years later, and we've had so many movies, and now we have a movie coming out with a female in the title. I feel like that's really important. What was it like for you to step in to this role and, like, tackle knowing you're going to be a superhero? It was cool. I, you know, I think it did the full kind of, I think it really sunk in once I finally actually put on my super suit. Like I, when I first was approached about the job, I was like, no, I don't really want to do a superhero movie. And I was really ignorant about Marvel. Like I just didn't know any of them because I didn't watch superhero movies. And I think if you're not a fan and you're not keeping up, then in my case, like, I didn't know how cool they were. I didn't know how far they had come from some of the ones that, you know, I had, I had seen in my lifetime. And so I went and watched about six Marvel movies in one weekend. And I think the one, I mean, they were, they were really great films. I loved the filmmaking. I thought they were super intelligent, but I think the one that got me the most excited about the prospect of potentially becoming a Marvel superhero myself was the Avengers and like seeing them all fighting together And it just felt like, wow, that's a club that anybody would be lucky to be a part of. It just felt really cool. It felt really badass. But it also felt like it would just be really fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, sort of watching the behind the scenes of, you know, everyone on sets and all the movies, it looks so much fun. It looks fun for you guys as actors. And it's fun because you're bringing to life these epic superheroes and, you know, especially in this moment of time where we need more female superheroes, we need more women on screen to shrink really small and also punch the bad guy, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that Kevin Feige has an unconscious crystal ball in his mind. He could never have anticipated in a million years that the Me Too and Time's Up movement would have exploded in 2018. And yet here we are in a moment of time where... 
women, not just in America, but all over the world, are saying, yes, we have better rights than we had in 1920. Yes, we're grateful for those rights. Yes, you know, we are breadwinners, and we're in the workforce, and we're buying planes, and we're doing all of these wonderful things, but we still don't have equality. And we we want it, and we demand it, and we're standing up and saying it's, it's about time. You know, it's about time. And, and I just think it's just incredible that a year, two years ago, Hope and I said it's about damn time. And in 2018, on the coattails of the Me Too and Time's Up movement, we now have equal billing for a man and a woman MCU movie for the first time in 20 films. But that is, that is not lost on me. I don't think it's lost on anybody. And I think that our storytelling is what shapes our society. And if our society is clamoring and saying, we want equality for men and women, and we start telling stories in which we treat men and women equally, then I think that it's a very real process and change will really happen. I, I hear here, I'm like sitting in my hotel room and I am like, you know, my like hair is standing up. It is the movement. It is the moment in time. And, and you know, it's so amazing to talk to actors like you that are taking these roles that are so pivotal and important to bring these powerful and brilliant epic female characters on the screen. I mean, do you sort of feel a little pressure? I mean, or do you just go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep on doing this because this is, you know, this is my calling. Mm, well, definitely there was a, there was pressure. When I was preparing for the role, I really, really wanted to make her special. I felt like, well, the MCU is very well populated. And there are a lot of superheroes in the world right now. In the comic book world, in the film and television world, there are so many. What is going to distinguish her from the rest of them? You know, how do I, as a newcomer, how do I in some way stand out or at least, at least blend in <laughs> and not stand out in a bad way? And then, you know, you get into the work and you just forget about all of that. And you just start working. And for me, I just was trying to be an authentic and believable character and a three-dimensional woman. And that became paramount to all of the things that I put into the character. And then we finished filming and this incredible phenomenon of Black Panther happened. I was watching this thing sweep the world. I was watching it blow box office numbers out of the water. And I suddenly went, hang on a minute. Is that what my movie spoke to me? Because... I don't, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, there's just a minute where I felt weird about it. Like, wait, is this what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be making like revolutionary films because that's what Black Panther was. It was revolutionary. And then, you know, again, very quickly, you just get past that and realize like, no, you just make a story. You just tell a story and that's all you're responsible to do. And really, the responsibility of the social impact comes in the roles you choose to play in the first place and believing that those roles fairly represent women that you see in the world and not some two-dimensional stereotype. And then beyond that, none of it matters. You know, beyond that, it's just putting the art in the world and letting the art settle where it's going to settle. And I do think that these films are art, you know, and I think that that might be a bit highbrow for some people to say a superhero movie is a piece of art, but I actually think they are beautiful pieces of art. Yeah, I mean, they are stunning in their own unique way. And they're also a moment in time for the next generations to see women playing roles that may not necessarily have 
existed in the you know, amount that they have. Like a female scientist. And not only that, you know, a, a woman who becomes a superhero who's wearing a costume that is functional. It makes sense to the character, you know, and you look so badass in it. It looks, I mean, like just seeing the costume on screen, I'm so excited to finally see the full movie and see you just kick butt in it. It was so tricky to find in, in every way with this character. For me, the greatest challenge was for the men, I think that they can take a character that is beloved and once existed, and for the most part, they can honor that character and use the comic books as their Bible. For us women, we have a slightly different challenge in that I know all of us want to honor the comic books and all of us care to make sure that uh, we're using that as source material, we're using that as inspiration. But we also, I think, all collectively feel the challenge to modernize these women and to desexualize some of these women and to make sure that they represent something that we, we want little girls to aspire to in 2018. And so, you know, it's like interesting because that suit is exactly what you said. It's modern and functional and it makes sense and it and makes her look very strong and commanding in the way that a male superhero would. But it also, I didn't want to neuter her either. <laughs> I also wanted her to remain very sensual and feminine. I wanted, I thought, you know, there's no reason that we need to hide our femininity in order to prove that we can be powerful. It's really important to me whenever I play any character that I am strong because of my femininity and not in spite of it. And I think there can be sometimes a temptation, as I, I feel it, to say, well, let's flatten the chest and let's flatten the butt and let's, let's not give her a little waist and let's make sure that she's like, asexual, so that that way people will take it seriously. But I actually think the challenge really is can a woman maintain her sexuality and be a sexual being without then losing respect just because she is somebody who is a grown adult who is also, you know, beautiful and sensual and sexy. And that for me is what I take on. I, I like the idea of saying, no, there's no reason why we can't respect women just because they're attractive. We must respect them anyway. <laughs> you know, that, that is like, that is important. Yeah. And Hope is a, a female scientist on screen, you know, and you've talked about your love of science in the past. I mean, I think that that's also important to showcase that women can be scientists and also still kick butt. <laughs> Well, I mean, not even also kick butt, but they're the only reason really I think she can kick butt is because she has such a strong mind because it takes a lot of discipline to become a scientist. It takes a lot of discipline to become a Muay Thai expert. It takes a lot of discipline to have no social life and devote yourself for years and years on end to something that you believe is going to make the world better or devote yourself for years on end to finding your mother. She's a very disciplined, very dedicated woman. So I think it's the thing that makes her super. I mean, she isn't, she wasn't born the god of thunder. She doesn't have some kind of genetic chromosome that's off that gives her an ability to grow into an enormous green hulk. Like, she's just a normal person who puts on a suit and does what she can with the powers the suit gives her. And that means it all has to come from her mind, because none of it is coming from her innate DNA. And I think that, you know, I'm always telling little girls, and I'm always telling kids, period, boys or girls, what makes? Ant-Man and the Wasp super is their courage 
and their intelligence and their discipline and the things, all these things that children and adults can aspire to, normal people can aspire to. You know, I don't think I would have taken the role if Hope wasn't a scientist. She wasn't as brilliant of a mind as she is because I've always wanted, I love science, I love math, and I've always wanted that part of me to be recognized. You know, that's like an important thing for me. And I think that the more we see incredibly intelligent and capable female characters on screen, the more we will be willing to recognize the brilliance and intelligence of women in real life. Yeah, totally agree with you. That's just literally like the reason why we do the Women of Marvel podcast. It's all about showcasing that there are women and they may not be on screen and you may not see them walking across stage and accepting awards, but they are doing the things. And it's so important for young girls out there to, and young boys to see that superheroes on screen are great, but they're also great in real life for, for these next generations. Mm-hmm. When my mother was is my hero in so many ways and you know, what makes her super, my mom's actually not what people would call a hugely accomplished woman, but she is the most gracious, patient, selfless, forgiving, kind, willing, generous, happy, warm, kind person I know. And, you know, I think a lot of people say a lot of nice things about their parents, but my mom is truly the closest thing I've ever met in real life to a saint. And I've known since I had adulthood that I will never live up to her. <laughs> I was always sort of oddly living in that shadow. Like my mother is an unattainable goal, but something that's incredible to aspire to. Yeah, I know that feeling. And I, I feel like, you know, but you're doing it on your own, something important. You know, you're getting up there and you're showing that girls can be scientists and girls can be superheroes. Do you have advice for young girls and boys out there who, who want to get into film and TV? You know, maybe not necessarily on screen, but behind screen. Like, you know, what's the first thing they, they should do? You know, I'm probably the least qualified person in the world to offer that advice because the way I started was very unconventional. And, you know, I didn't actually work my way up in the way that most people do. But from observing, I feel like, Really, experience is paramount, and education is secondary. Getting on a film set, being on a film set, even if you're just carrying around people's coffee, is probably the fastest education you can get in how it all works. And I also think it's the quickest way that you can network and connect with people who will actually give you jobs. Most of the people that I know that reach any kind of you know, great success in film most of them, not all of them, but most of them are people who just work their way up on a film set. They started as a PA or they started as a PA in the, in the production office or they started as a PA for a producer or a director. And then they just keep working and they learn as they go. Another thing is watching movies. I can't tell you how many actors, producers, and directors I know who are like walking film encyclopedias who have watched movie after movie after movie after movie and have really absorbed the detail of all of that and understand it and really pay attention. And, you know, that's, that's another thing. Well, you talk about the community element of, of like, a set. And that, I think that's so important, too, because it's all about talking to people and making connections and also learning what other people do on set. You, you've talked a lot about the costume and how you worked with the team, but it's all about community to build this this product that eventually is seen on screen. 
it's such an enormous collaboration. I've had people ask me a lot about, you know, the, the action sequences and like, wow, you know, they're amazing and, you know, very much giving me kind of all the credit for those action sequences. And I keep telling everyone, I am the tiniest part of that process. I mean, I feel like there are the stunt team, there is the stunt coordinator, the stunt actors, the fight trainers, there are the riggers, there are the drivers, there are, like, there's, there's, there's so many pieces to the stunt team, and there's the special effects team, and then there's the macro unit team, and then there's the directors, the producers, and, and there's the editors, and the sound mixers, and, like, once you actually put it all together, the amount of people, and the amount of effort, and the amount of hours, and the amount of creativity, and the amount of teamwork that goes into a five-minute incredible fight scene in a superhero movie is astounding and humbling. You start to realize, oh, right, I'm like a peon. I have nothing in this process. <laughs> I'm one of many incredibly talented people. That's in them, not me, the incredibly talented. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's almost like, you know, everyone on set is their own superhero, brings their own skills and abilities to set so that it all can go that, that one time, you know, the director yells, you know, rolling and action and everyone comes together and then you stand there at the end being like, look how cool I look. Yeah, exactly. Hey, look at me. I look amazing because a team of 500 people just worked for the last six months to do so. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I always love when, when we have women on screen for Marvel Studios, but women on screen that are doing action scenes and fighting and on and, and, and all the different women that they all have their moments in time and their actions. And, and I feel like Ant-Man and the Wasp is that next, it's that next step for us. I think so. I, I really believe so. I mean, I, I, listening to Kevin Feige talk about his intentions, talk about his, um, his vision, I, I feel like he's very clearly always loved women. I don't think he's ever pandered to them or treated them badly on the screen. You know, they've always been Black Widows, incredible Scarlet Witch is amazing. Akoya's game, like we could, there's women in this world already who occupy the space with strength, dignity, intelligence, and grace. But I think having the Wasp's name in the title, I think her having 50% of the screen time, like I think the percentage to Paul and I are in the movie is pretty much equal. I mean, those stats, they do have an impact unconsciously on how we ingest the information that's being served to us in these fun, um, and entertaining stories. And I just think that's going to continue. And I, and I, you know, Captain Marvel's coming. <laughs> it's her own film. That's a whole other kettle of fish. And I feel like we're going to see more and more of that as well. Yeah. I, I know that fans are, you know, so excited for, you know, obviously Carol Danvers to come on screen as Captain Marvel. But, but I do remember when we first announced Ant-Man and the Wasp and people were like, the wasp is in the title. <laughs> and I, that was an important time. It was, that was, I think that was, that was it. We were like, oh, we're ready. We're ready as fans. We're, let's get this done. Totally. People are really jazzed. They're really into it. Are you ready to start seeing fans dress up in cosplay as the wasp? Oh, I've already seen it. I've been oh, seeing yeah. it for years already. It's crazy. Like people started doing it the minute there was a prototype at the end of Ant-Man. And then as soon as I posted that picture, in the middle of shooting of the Wasp um, in costume, I have been seeing cosplay pictures come up. I've been at cons where they, there are cosplay Wasps. There was a cosplay Wasp um, on the red carpet. There were cosplay Wasps on the red carpet in Taiwan and here in L.A. I'm sure there will be again in Paris and Tokyo. It's fun. You've given me so much of your time. And also, this was such a great interview. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's so easy. 
I, I love talking about this stuff because, you know, I am a woman who has been living a feminist life my whole life. I've always been fiercely independent and I've always been strong and never felt like I needed, um, you know, a man to take care of me or any of those things. I've, I've always been that way. I'm, I'm the primary breadwinner in my family. And I think that I really didn't realize just how much sexism still had permeated my values until literally this year. The Time's Up and Me Too movement hit me very deeply and profoundly, and, and I found myself on so many occasions breaking down in tears um, and not really understanding why. And so I don't want this dialogue to be something that falls into the shadows because it's not trendy anymore. I think it's so important to have groups like you guys and to just continue talking about it all the time. And, you know, until we do properly and truly have equality, where everybody's values are regarded equally where everybody is given equal opportunity, then these conversations need to carry on. And let's celebrate what they're doing so that the next generation can know that there are others doing that and they can do that too. I love that. I love that so much because I think that's one of the reasons why for so many years I never called myself a feminist because I just, I thought of it as something that was, I associated it with complaints. And I felt like, well, that's not really the space I want to occupy. Um, I have since understood it differently, but I, I love that you guys have that same priority, which is, you know, we're not here to complain. We're here to celebrate. And I am, I'm here to celebrate with you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for getting on the phone for us this morning. This was great. It's a pleasure. Thanks to Evangeline for getting on a phone call in the early mornings last week while I was sitting in my pajamas. It was great. Make God, sure- stop bragging, Judy. I just sat in my pajamas <laughs> doing podcasts. That's the dream. San Diego Comic-Con is coming up. Duh, duh, duh. Come see us. We're going to be cool. And we've got a bunch of panels, a bunch of fun stage events. We'll be just talking a lot, interacting with people, hopefully throwing you guys some great giveaways. So come visit us. Say hi. Hopefully you're cosplaying one of our favorite characters. And uh, we'll give you guys hugs. And we will ask for your permission first. Yes. And then give you a hug. (laughs) And if you can't make it to San Diego Comic-Con, make sure you're following our Instagram at The Woman of Marvel. We're going to be posting some fun things throughout the weekend. I'm happy you didn't say epic. I know. I was going to be like, I saw saw your mouth turning to be like, we're going to be posting some fun someone should get me an epic patch I would appreciate that thanks bye Uh, that's it we'll be back next week with uh, Margaret Stoll yes with Margaret Stoll we're talking about life of Captain Marvel and uh, it was a great conversation and Margaret is one of my people one of my favorite people been working with her for a while I dragged her into comics yeah so I hope that's going to be a fun conversation as well we'll check you guys next week this is Marvel epic epic